Hello, and welcome to this research-focused podcast from RCVS Knowledge. During these podcasts, we will be covering all aspects of veterinary clinical research, from getting involved in research in practice to discussing published papers and evidence, with particular emphasis on how we can integrate them into our clinical practice. RCVS Knowledge Podcast. My name is Sally Everett and today I'm talking to Fergus Allerton about opportunities for participation in the Stop on Sunday project designed to determine the appropriate length of treatment for dogs with cystitis. Fergus is a European specialist in small animal internal medicine working at Willow's Referral. He's chairman of SAMSOC, the Small Animal Medicine Society, and has several roles at BSAVA in developing their guidelines on responsible antibacterial use, protect ME, editing the BSAVA formulary and editing their membership journal companion. On top of all of this, he's actively involved in clinical research. Welcome, Fergus. So can I start by asking you about the background to this project? Thank you for that. Really, there is a couple of things that I'm passionate about, one of which is antimicrobial resistance. And I think that this is a potentially apocalyptic threat to human health and pet health. And as vets, we are important stakeholders in this conversation. We need to be engaging in steps to reduce our antimicrobial use because that will help reduce the burden of disease in the future. So through my work with SAMSOC and the Protect Me project, project, I have become increasingly invested in finding a way to encourage vets to use antibiotics as rationally as possible. And the other side of things that I think is important is the use of it in evidence-based veterinary medicine. I think that we have historically relied on guidelines and eminence-based advice from very um, knowledgeable um, people, but I think it would be great if we could start incorporating results of clinical studies performed in populations that are relevant to those who are seeing these cases so that we can guide our uh, antibiotic decisions and all our decisions as effectively and um, robustly as we can. Fantastic. So what research question are you hoping to answer with this study? So in 2011, the first ISCADE guidelines suggested an antibiotic course for what was then called uncomplicated urinary tract infections, uncomplicated cystitis, of 7 to 14 days. And we've seen in human medicine that recommendations for cystitis are now down to 24 to 72 hours, so that the previous iteration of ISCADE guidelines suggested three to five days is probably adequate for management of sporadic cystitis in dogs. Now, these are still uncertain, unproven recommendations. And one of the calls from the ESCADE guidelines was for some evidence to back this up. And so that's what we're trying to achieve. We are trying to demonstrate what is the optimal length of treatment for a urinary tract infection, or I should say a presumed urinary tract infection. And we did think whether we should do a direct comparison, what, what's the difference between three days and seven days? But what if three days is a bit too short? Then we've missed other potential shorter courses. So really we're trying to demonstrate what is the optimal length and is it three, four, five, six, 
or seven days worth of antibiotics when presented with these cases. Yeah, I'm sure that's going to be really useful. Um, having worked in practice, you know, knowing how long you should supply antibiotics for is an almost impossible question to answer at the moment. So any evidence in that area. Um, there's also a secondary sort of little look as to seeing how successful your treatment is, not just in terms of clinical signs at the time, but also recurrence rate afterwards. Is that a measure of whether you've successfully fully got rid of the that, that's right, because we are I, I, we do recognise that antibiotics are important. They have a very helpful role in treating infectious disease. So under treating is not our aim. We are not looking to have animals that either they don't resolve with the first course or they recur rapidly after a short course of antibiotics. That would be unsatisfactory. And actually, you could argue what is the acceptable non-inferiority margin? And by that, I mean, if we find that three days, well, you get one or two treatment failures per 100 dogs, is that unacceptable if you get zero at seven days? What would we actually allow as a difference? And that is an arbitrary decision as well. Yeah. And I think that well, we've got a separate project that will look into that and try and define what vets think are acceptable non-inferiority margins. But we would love to demonstrate what the ideal dose duration is so that we can move away from arbitrary designations, which are either based on the number of fingers you have on your hand or constantine units um, of seven or 14. So, Or what pack size it comes in, which you're going to which is probably one of the things at the moment. Too right. So your nurses don't swear at you for having to yeah. make top up tablets too much. What about the methodology of this study and particularly how it got its name, Stop on Sunday? Well, hopefully the Stop on Sunday is the, the easy part of the study to remember. And we're trying to use a pseudo randomization approach. We want this to be accessible to vets working in practice, and I don't want it to be something that acts as a massive drain on resources. It should be quick and easy to do. So rather than you having to go and enter your details and get um, randomized by a computer doing this all properly, we are saying you're automatically randomized by the day of week that the animal presents. Because all treatment courses, whether the animal presents on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, all courses end on a Sunday evening. There are a couple of reasons for that. One is it facilitates that randomization process. And the second, it allows us to have instill some safety netting because we're asking owners to update the vet as to the animal's progress on the Monday morning or sometime during the Monday. And that means that if that course is too short, if those clinical signs are still ongoing, we have a second opportunity to either extend the treatment, if that's what the vet feels is appropriate, to investigate and look for an underlying trigger, something else that could be causing these clinical signs, or to instigate a different treatment. So uh, that flexibility is there, but it, it protects the patients as well to make sure that we're not um, leaving them in a disease state. And you sort of alluded to it there, but you're very much recruiting from first opinion practice in this trial. Absolutely. And I am really eager to encourage vets in practice to, to get in contact and to, to take part in this study. It is 
aimed at a common presentation. So female dogs only presenting with classic lower urinary tract signs. So polyuria, dysuria, hematuria of a relatively short duration. And we're not looking for complicated cases. So unfortunately dogs with Cushing's, dogs with diabetes, we have to exclude or dogs with a history of recurrent cystitis also, they are a different population. We are trying to look at your, your classic first-time cystitis dog that we believe is seen very frequently across the UK. And we're trying to say they're our target population and can we include those in the study? And the other important thing to say is we're not demanding culture is performed. If you look at those three clinical signs in this target population, the positive predictive value, the likelihood that there is a urinary tract infection is quite high. And we would estimate somewhere in the region of 70% based on previous studies. So on that basis, you don't have to do um, a bacterial culture. It's always encouraged and protect me to support culture. I think it's a very important thing to do culture, but the owner may refuse it for financial reasons. You're, you may have an aggressive Rottweiler who you are <laughs> um, reluctant to pin down for cysto or the bladder may be too small at that time so we don't always get that urine sample and we still want to be able to include this because we want to recognize and represent what is actually happening in practice at the moment so that our recommendations will mirror that and hopefully be useful for people in these situations in the future but these are cases that are going to be treated with potentiated amoxicillin not uh, uh, not with a whole range of antimicrobials, you're narrowing yourselves down to that. that. That's right. And one of the key inclusion criteria is the intention to treat with antibiotics. So if, if you as a vet think, well, I am going to use antibiotics at this stage in this dog, the only decision we're imposing really is the duration of anti that antibiotic therapy. And we have limited it to amoxiclav. And I recognize that amoxicillin would be a narrower spectrum and probably um, optimal antibiotic to use in these situations. But in the UK, the recent VARS report that came out on Monday showed that 99% of amoxicillin used in the UK is attached to clavulanic acid. Yeah. So we wanted to make this accessible to the vast majority of practitioners. And while I very much encourage and support the use of amoxicillin, in this instance, we have said we will be using amoxiclav. And hopefully, I think we can extrapolate from our findings in the end that probably these two would be equivalent. Excellent. So if individuals or practices would like to get involved, mm -hmm. what do they have to do? So I'm trying to make this as simple as possible. And in the first instance, if they could send me an email, I would be super grateful. My email is my name, fergus.allerton at willows.uk.net. And uh, if you go on the SAMSOC pages as well, samsoc.org, there's quite a lot of information about this study and also um, contact details uh, as necessary. I'll then send you out some owner consent forms just so that we make sure that owners are aware of what we're doing. We found that the feedback has been very positive. Owners are impressed that we're trying to answer some of these questions. They know about some of the risks of AMR and heard about that in, um, in, in the wider media so i think they're in, happy to be involved in general but we do want to make sure that this is above board and that they sign to to be aware of what's happening to their pet 
And remember, this project has ethical approval from the University of Nottingham and an animal test certificate from the Veterinary Medicines Directorate, just to ensure that we are using these antibiotics in an acceptable way. Perfect. I'm sure there are many people who would love to participate, but may be concerned about the time commitment, particularly at the moment when we're constantly hearing about practices being overwhelmed. How can you reassure those who may be new to collaborating with research on practice? How can you help them? Well, we, I do accept that there are barriers and we don't want this to be a, a, an additional burden. I would hope that this is an extra two minutes to a consultation um, because all you're doing is we're using an electronic data capture system which is incredibly user-friendly so it's choosing the several options from drop-down menus and you can input all the data for a case within 60 seconds 60 to 120 seconds I hope so I, I hope that the impact is relatively limited and I, I hope that people are motivated to get involved because it will change the way we practice and this is the hopefully a pilot project that will lead to other ways of engaging with vets in practice to encourage that clinical research aspect. I feel that um, having been in practice now for several years, that certain practices seem to cycle round. And we find ourselves following recommendations that we haven't followed for several years, but were apparent 10 years ago. And that's because we keep trying new things and things evolve slowly. I, I really do believe in evidence-based medicine. And I think that there is a personal reward in contributing to these things because we are bringing forward the, the whole profession if we can actually demonstrate that one option is better than another. And we do want to try and reward our participants. We're very keen to... Uh, we're very grateful for any um, engagement with this project and offer it at any level that you'd like to be involved with. So if you are able to contribute a couple of cases here and there, then that's amazing. And we are super grateful for that. But if you want to be more involved, if this type of project inspires you to, to actually want to do even more, then SAMSOC is very much a collaborative society. We will welcome people to get involved in data analysis, get involved in the manuscript um, preparation. And hopefully we can find little niches for everybody to fulfill their interest in this um, area. And from the RCVS point of view, we should point out that participation in research absolutely counts as CPD. So you're getting CPD hours on the side as well. It does count them. and. Uh, the RCVS have been incredibly supportive of this initiative and well I, I think that we we should recognize the the, the time involvement and it, it is helpful to do it and also if, if people are interested in internal medicine particularly and for example like the idea of the small animal medicine society if you do recruit a certain number of cases then we offer free membership of the society um, as a reward um, for that participation so we are trying to find carrots as well as um uh, yeah yeah to make up yeah for the time yeah. people are putting yeah. in thank you finally and somewhat unusually for veterinary clinical research you've published your research protocol in bmc veterinary research can i ask you what inspired you to do this and what response you've had to that so 
I, I do believe that we want to be transparent. We want to say that this is our idea, this is the project, and up front, we want to put forward our um, protocol and our methodology so that we can't fudge the system in the future. And I think that that is something that is increasingly advocated on the medicine side, but is quite rare in, med in veterinary medicine. There was a previous one in BMC veterinary research about epilepsy and uh, nutritional support for epilepsy, which was excellent. And that was something that contributed to the, came up, helped us come up with this idea of trying to submit this. I do hope that uh, people access this. It is an online, free online, open access article. It is a way for us to be able to um, access the protocol and um, give extra information for those who are interested. Thank you, Fergus. I think this is a really interesting and important study, and it's great to see a study that is actively encouraging participation from first opinion practice. If anyone would like further details of the study, we'll provide links to the published protocol and information on the study on the SAMSOC website with this podcast. And for anyone who's interested in responsible antibiotic use more generally, we'll also provide a link to the RCVS Knowledge AMR Hub. Superb. Thank you again for inviting me to do this. It's really been, been a pleasure. pleasure.